There is a New York Times essay called, You May Want to Marry My Husband. It strikes me as an arresting way to begin, and the invitation in the words that follow are all the more halting. Amy Krauss Rosenthal was a prolific writer, publishing scores of children's books and memoirs and articles, and this essay is the last piece she wrote. A year and a half earlier, she and her husband Jason had been on the brink of launching into new adventures as empty nesters, their third child having just headed off to college. Instead, right as that spaciousness dawned, Amy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Everything changed. She laments her illness, the suddenly defined brevity of her life, pointing to all she had hoped to do and now cannot. But she doesn't stay there. Amy turns her attention and the little energy that she has left that still somehow seems vast, and she describes her husband. She talks of how they met on a blind date set up by a longtime family friend. She recounts how he delights in live music, how he wears fabulous socks, and how he makes faces out of random objects to greet her each morning at the coffee pot. He's handy, she says, and a great cook and a, and a painter even though he is a lawyer by day. I suspect Amy may have written all this down because she cherishes this man. And because, as she explains unflinchingly, she wants more. More time with him, with her kids. But that is not the sole object of her writing. With heart-rending beauty, she uses this lament, this loss she is enduring even as she types these words. She uses this lament to craft a gorgeous personal ad for her husband. She has not learned to use Bumble or eHarmony, she says, so she just goes ahead and publishes the ad right there in the Times. It is funny in that deeply painful way that heartache can sometimes still carry humor. It is also exceedingly generous. This 51-year-old woman is dying. Indeed, she dies just 10 days after this piece is published. And even there, in her death, she knows that she wants her husband to live well, to love again. She offers permission, encouragement. She even begins cheekily soliciting applications for his affection once she's gone. 
Whether or not we are close to that clarifying fire of mortal fear and loss, it can be difficult to wrap our minds around this kind of love. It is so exceedingly selfless to wish another person such good and then reach to make it possible. This love is the kind of gift that, on imagining it, may make us squirm. Writing a personal ad for your partner? Really? Contemplating such care may make us wonder if we could offer this gift to another, when doing so might reveal how much we still have to learn. This is the kind of wholehearted, clear-eyed love that Jesus teaches and offers and invites us into this night. It is a love that he gives of himself to make more of another, more for another. It costs him as he humbles himself there with towel and basin. I can't help but think that it also connects him and fills him up with the love born of intimate care, a love that might help sustain him through the awful days ahead. Here is a teacher, a revered rabbi, offering the earthy, fleshy, messy care of a servant. It is the care of deep hospitality, of making others feel entirely at home, both ritually and practically caring for their bodies. And because of his role, it is also shocking. It is difficult to receive. Peter recoils, flinching at the thought, highlighting just how backwards this arrangement is. But Jesus insists, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Let me love you, Peter. Let me care for you well and fully. We call this day Maundy Thursday because we remember before all else this new commandment or mandatum in Latin. Jesus gives it to us in action and in word that we love one another. It is that simple, that simple, that we love one another. He explains it in the next line there at the end of our gospel tonight, saying, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. But we don't receive the full impact of these words in our translation. The gift that they are doesn't come through in its entirety. Some scholars suggest that the word should doesn't fit here. They argue that Jesus likely did not say, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. This tender lesson is not about obligation. 
The joining word here, hina in Greek, is better rendered in English as in order that. That way we, we then hear Jesus say, I have loved you in order that you love one another. Or more simply, I have loved you so that you may love one another. The love Jesus extends to us is the source, the reason, and the map for how we can share love with one another. We are loved in order that we may love. It is a humbling gift, one that can be so hard to receive whether it comes from a beloved partner or friend at the end of their life, or a revered teacher headed to the cross. This love calls us up short because it seems like it's not the order of things. Indeed, it is anything but the carefully measured reciprocal relationship the world teaches us to live by. There is no need to repay this kind of love. It's not actually possible. It is not a transaction, not something that can be tracked or tabulated, not a debt that can be later called in, even as we might fear that it will. This love is a gift offered out of the generosity of all that is holy, a gift that we can receive and then extend again, reverently and with awe. This love is what we learn again tonight. That's what we practice the water, with a washcloth, with our families and on our own and in our hearts. We don't have to understand it, but we are asked to receive it. And then we are taught to offer it. And maybe it's not a sweeping act like Amy's. It doesn't have to be huge. This love can be as simple as a half a loaf of bread offered as a sweet message left when your loved one doesn't pick up the phone, as a tender act of service, as this deep care extended to a neighbor, care that makes us all whole. Here is this amazing man, says Amy, Let me tell you all about my beloved husband. You may want to marry him after I die. And here, says Jesus, here, give me your feet. Let me wash them. Let me care for your whole, tired, fearful being. Friends, see that this love knows no bounds. Receive this love that has written an entirely new order for the world. Here is a love that topples oppression, that grows peace in the breach, that slowly lifts you up from all 
brokenness. Here is a love that makes us whole. I give you this love, Jesus says. I give you all my love so that you also may love one another. <laughs>